Hey everybody, Future Amon here, and I just want to say thank you so much to Games Workshop for giving us this preview content in advance for us to review for the community. We're really excited to talk about it, and again, they gave us this product for free. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Path to Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. This is Amon Kusro, and today, today <laughs> I am joined by someone whose voice you've probably heard a lot on podcasts lately, Zach Cachetta, aka Requisin, from the Discords. How's it going, brother? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for jumping back on. I know you've been quite in demand lately. Yeah, it's like uh, you... You get the finals in one tournament, and uh, all of a sudden, everyone wants to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, you had a really mean deck, man. Really good, well designed. Yeah, it was it was fun, and uh, it's been it's been great, like hopping on and talking to people. So uh, I'm happy yeah. to do it. Yeah, if you haven't heard the what the hex episode that just came out, I think a couple of days ago, um, I highly recommend you check it out. Zach breaks down how he built his spike claw swarm deck, and Davy and Phil do a great job of asking some really cool questions and expanding upon that. Yeah. And in general, I would recommend listening to those two. Uh, their podcast is great and they do pretty regular uploads. So uh, give them a, give them a listen. Yeah. Yeah. So I realized we got a lot of good feedback from the episode we did on Adepticon and um, a couple of our patrons were like, Hey, you know, we should get Zach on more often and decided to reach out and ask if you wanted to join Path to Glory on a more uh, permanent basis. And uh, I'm very happy to announce that Zach is going to be joining the Path to Glory crew uh, and being a regular on the podcast. And I'm very excited for it. Uh, I love Underworlds. I uh, love talking about Underworlds. Um, I'll be able to talk to somebody who's not my dog or my wife uh, and, <laughs> you know, uh, stop uh, pulling their ears off about it. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. I'm happy you're here. And I don't know if that's a low bar or high bar to meet, but I'll <laughs> no, do my no. best. No, no, it's, it's good. It's good. <clears throat> cool, cool. Well, in today's episode, we will be covering The Exiled Dead, the final warband for Harrow Deep. It is a group of undead zombies and a vampire necromancer, but we'll get into them in a little bit. Right now, we're going to go through some of our regular segments. But before we do that, I just want to give a shout out to our patrons. Thanks to everyone who supports us. If you are interested in supporting the podcast monetarily, please check us out at patreon.com slash path of glory. If that's not possible, we still appreciate the listens and the ratings. So going up to Underworld's news, um, Nether Maze is coming up for pre-order this Saturday. How exciting. Yeah, we just got the uh, news for it on Friday. So that's actually, that might be the shortest turnaround for an Underworld's release that we've had in a very long time. Yeah. Um, but that's all, you know, I'm, I'm glad to not have to wait, let's say. I agree. I feel like every release for like a box at least has been two weeks. And this one was just like surprise well, I, here. Yes, yeah, surprise. Here we go. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited. the The other surprise added to that was the Exiled Dead is also releasing on the same day. Well, they did say quarter two for both of them. So uh, yeah, I, I guess it's not too big of a surprise they both came out together. But um, you, usually these things are spaced out. Uh, I guess Black Powder and Illusory Might came out at the same time, but yeah. you know that's that's just a card pack, so not too surprising there. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing somewhere along the way, either Black Powders came early or what I think more likely happened is Exile Dead were delayed. 
So I think that's probably more likely. We probably would have seen Exile Dead early March, late February, uh, and then maybe Black Powder's end of December, early January, because that's kind of the time frame I think that Eastgrave was right before yeah. lockdown. So who knows? I mean, we'll never know what the world would have been like if we didn't have a global pandemic, but uh, we can just make our assumptions, I guess. That's right. That's right. Assumptions. Assume, assume, assume away. That's right. I can speak English. Um, well, cool. That's some news uh, today. A Warcom they dropped the, um, I guess like a like a greater depth preview of Skitter Shanks Claw Pack, the Skaven Assassin Warband that represents Clan Eshin in the Nether Maze box set. What I thought was really funny about that is they haven't done one for the Exiled Dead. So, well, I'm sure we'll get one before the end of the week, but. Uh... By the time you guys are listening to this, we'll already have talked about it. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> um, bef- so let's jump to our next segment. Then community shout outs. Any, we already shout out what the hex. Um, I want to give a big shout out to tabletop Sydney. I don't know if you heard the last episode, but Benji was on and we did a deep dive into his Canaan's uh, Reapers. And I guess I also want to give a shout out to determined effort blog. Um, the author is an individual that goes by the name of Baconborn. And he was actually the inspiration for me getting Benji on that previous episode. Um, what about you? Uh, yeah, just uh, everyone you've mentioned. Um, Benji's great. I loved that episode that you guys had together. Um, I want to give a, shoot, a shout out to the Critical Focus channel. Uh, Critical Focus channel. Um, they've been doing some great Underworlds content. I think those gents are from Sweden. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I love seeing battle report videos uh so seeing them put new content out and they're doing it pretty regularly guys go give them a click and uh yeah enjoy their stuff i love that i love that i haven't seen any of their videos but now i'm gonna go check it out probably after this if we can finish at a reasonable hour (laughs) starting at 10 p.m though isn't probably the uh (laughs) the best way to do that well you and i are both night owls so who knows how late we'll be up yeah yeah well we're getting ready for the nether maze lifestyle yeah that's right shadows Shadows and murder. <laughs> um, so just a heads up, the Alberta Classic is coming up. And the weekend that was supposed to be the weekend of the Seattle Open. Seattle Open, I think, is the 8th and through 10th. And the Alberta Classic, you know, Captain Murder, he messaged me on uh, Facebook. I should probably just read it to make sure I'm not spreading misinformation. Hmm. But I highly recommend you check it out. They are some awesome, awesome group of guys. Super excited to try to make it out to Alberta and play with them. Um, they've made their own custom trophies as well. So awesome. you can get your own Canadian glass if you'd like. Nice. That's a great way to drive uh, participation and uh, people showing up. I mean, it, it's not cash, but people love uh, stuff. They love trophies. They love prize support they love medals you know and i think people show up and uh play hard for those yeah i agree i mean that's that's the reason why we got so many people i think who jumped on the underworld's train in general was because shade glass man it's addicting it is yeah i have yet to get one of those big ones but i got a couple of the the small local clash ones sitting around well um oh here's the date may 15th 2022 for the alberta grand Grand crash classic in Calgary, Alberta. So I'm going to try to make it out. Um, maybe me and the missus can hang out. Um, Captain Murder lives out there and he said we can go hiking. So 
That'll be fun. Um, beautiful up there. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. I will. I will. I will. Yeah. I'm going to try to make it. We'll see. But uh, that's the goal. Um, other than that, Vassal League's been popping off. We started week two. I think we got our pairings today. Um, I talked about my game one on the last episode, which I, I beat Jared's Truth Seekers with Reapers. How did your game one go? Uh, we only got to play a best of one uh, because schedules didn't really line up. We only had, a, uh, you know, like an hour or so to play a game. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I played Soul Raid into uh, Utini's, uh, he's Utini's Shinka dot stirred on Discord. Um, uh, but Max, I played into his uh, crushes. He was playing um, Phil's deck from uh, Adepticon. Nice. Um, pretty interesting matchup. I think... Uh, well, I mean, he started round one just going up and popping uh, um, Fui Ran. And so she didn't even get to activate, which was a bit rough. Um, Oof. Yeah. And then killed Tamil in the next activation, but I eventually got to bring him back. Um, it came down to a 17 to 16 glory win for me. Wow. Uh, the. It was very interesting. He had. We both had one fighter left. I had Tamil. Well, I guess I also had Fish, but he kind of doesn't count. Um, hey, I had ta- the, the fish is the most important thing there. Oh, it is. It actually won me the game because um, it was my Tamael to his uh, Ard Skull. We had killed each other's leaders. We had killed each other's big stuff. Um, and he positioned his fighter to set up for an attack with uh, onto Tamael in the his next activation. And I had Spinefin Toxin in hand and he had one, one wound left. So yeah, uh, Spinefin actually won me the game that time. Uh, and anybody playing against Althane Soul Raid, don't stand next to the fish. It's it's always a trap. It's always a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad the Spinefish um, was able to deliver the fatal blow. It's nice to see that Max is playing again. Ma- mm-hmm. I'm assuming Max Bernstein. I think that is Utini shaking on stirred. Yeah, Max Bernstein. Yeah. He uh, he said he's been kind of on and off during lockdown, which a lot of yeah. people have is fair. Um, but he seems really excited to be back in, and uh, hopefully he does well in the league. Yeah, looking forward to eventually playing against him. So that'll be fun. Um, cool. Well, let's jump into one more segment before we start reviewing some cards and some warband. Well, a warband. Um so our sleeve it or leave it segment is a newer segment that we've introduced in the podcast where we talk about a card that is usually recommended by our patrons. This one was reckon, recommended by Brandon Huss or Hussman77. Mm-hmm. And um, we decide, Zach, if we want to sleeve it or leave it. All so right. this card is called Last Stand. It is a dual it is dual objective for two glory. Score this in the end phase if each friendly fighter is adjacent to one or more friendly fighters and each friendly fighter is within two hexes of one or more enemy fighters. Zach, what do you think? So this is effectively unafraid with a, a extra bit on it, right? Because yeah. unafraid is just everybody's within two of an enemy and this is also they have to be hugging each other. Yeah. Um, I'd say sleeve it. I mean, this is a card that is very warband dependent, but you know, it's not uncommon to clump up all your wolves in Ripa's. It's not uncommon to clump up, uh, your ghosts in Wraith Creepers or something like that. Um, 
you know, it does limit your positioning to an extent and may lock you out of uh, certain other things like fearless seekers or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're playing kind of a fast get in your face aggro uh, and you don't necessarily care about being on feature tokens, I mean, you can double this up with unafraid or bold deeds or anything else that just wants to go do the thing. So, uh, yeah, I'd say sleeve it. That's a good, that's an interesting take. Um, I think for the re- the first sentence you mentioned is this is just unafraid, but with an extra condition. Mm-hmm. And I think for that reason, I'm leaving it. Oh, okay. Because if I'm going to be doing something like that, I probably want the easier card of the two to score. You don't think you would take both? I don't think I would because it just adds an extra condition, right? Because I think in order to even score unafraid consistently, you're going to need like a sidestep, um, or maybe a center of attention sometimes to kind of finagle it correctly. That's true. And this example, I think not only would you have to worry about the enemy's miniatures, fighters, but then also they all have to be adjacent to one another. So even if there's one hex between two of my fighters, I then have to somehow maneuver it to where it functions in that manner. Now, there is some warbands, like you said, that can do this easier than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the warband we're going to talk about today is probably one of the better candidates for this card, maybe. I think a lot of the death ones can do this pretty easily, yeah. just, just by nature of what they are. But yeah, Exiled Dead might be looking at this. Yeah, they could. But but that being said, I think, I think I'm going to do a split decision here and leave it. That's fair. Yeah. But good. Thank you for that suggestion, uh, Husman77. Um, if you want to suggest a card, just feel free to message any one of us on Discord. Um, you can jump in the Path to Glory Discord, uh, make some suggestions there, um, or just message us on Facebook. We are taking suggestions from everywhere. But now, without further ado, we're going to jump into the Exile Dead, the final warband of the Harrow Deep season. Um, so, a little bit of lore background on uh, this warband. They are led by a vampire necromancer named Dane Talos. The is Exile. That, is that how you pronounce it? Dane Talos? That's how I'm pronouncing it. How would you pronounce it? I've been saying Dentalos, but that's probably because I'm an American with bad uh, accents and it's probably meant to be uh, pronounced some other way. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm probably just going to call him that, but I don't know. I mean, it's. Yeah, you, you do whatever's comfortable for you. I think everyone yeah. can figure out who we're talking about. Yeah, someone eventually is going to tell us the right way to say it. But right now, I'm just going to... This is how my brain reads it. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, but he's a vampire necromancer. Can't really tell he's a vampire because he's wearing... His miniature is like somebody's face stretched across his face. He's into that. But uh, he actually pr- like practiced a form of necromancy that even Nagash didn't like. Um, it's this whole concept of him channeling the force dynamic into his miniatures or his, 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 I guess, creations, his zombies, his necromantic rituals. And so he decided to exile himself and leave Shaish before Nagash shut him down. And he thought he would find solitude in the Harrow Deep where he preys upon, um, I guess, other adventurers who are trapped there, turns them into zombies through the force dynamic and uh, continues his, unholy form of necromancy in uh in in privacy so crazy stuff 
Yeah, creepy. I like this uh, this nice little bit of classic uh, zombie, you know, body mutilation horror. He's he's got little hands on his shoulders and on his belt and stuff. I think it's I think it's great. It's awesome. Yeah, I think last time you were on, you said he looked like a wow warlock. <laughs> yeah, with the hands on the shoulders for sure. Yeah, and I can't, I can't, I haven't been able to get that out of my head since. <laughs> so let's jump into the warband. Um, mm-hmm. So seven fighter death warband. In case, uh, you know, you missed the zombie part. So we'll start with Dentelos, Dentelos, the exile. He's got the conductive keyword. He's a leader. He's a level two wizard. He's got a movement of three, one block, four wounds. He's got an attack action called draining coil. It's a ranged magical attack action. Uh, Range three hits on channels, does one damage, but it also has the keyword stagger. And he has a special ability called dance dynamic. So it's an action. You can either pick move or attack, and each friendly conductive fighter, including himself, can make one action of that kind. Then place up to one friendly out-of-action conductive minion in an adjacent hex two or more hexes from each enemy fighter and give that minion one raise counter. Reactions cannot be used during this action. And before we get into that a little bit more, just as a heads up, his inspire condition is a friendly minion takes an enemy fighter out of action. And I guess... Do you want to talk about his inspired side as well? Yeah, let's just jump into that. When he inspires, um, his draining coil ability gains cleave, but nothing changes on his magical attack in terms of range uh, type of dice or damage. He also is able to start swinging his staff. I guess he gets a little bit more animated, but it's a range two, three smash, two damage attack with stagger. It's called the stave dynamic and everything else stays the same. Hmm. Zach, what are your thoughts on this conductive vampire wizard leader? Uh, He's a solid leader. I like that he hits on channels. A lot of wizards hit on focus. Um, I believe baseline, it's just him and Fecula that hit on channels. And Fecula inspired at that. Uh, There is a upgrade for Vortimus to hit on channels, but that's Mm -hmm. uh, neither here nor there. Um, I mean, that's effectively... I mean, if you're if you're talking in terms of regular attacks, that's hitting on hammers with uh, or hitting on smashes with single support. It's a three up to hit, and three up on two dice is pretty good. I mean, he should be hitting this most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Zarchia is also channel. That's correct. Yes, and she had, but she has the the backlash thing, so yeah. we don't talk about her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I think. Um, it's only one, but you know, the big thing about this is that you're going to be using it in conjunction with dance dynamic. Um, and this is, this is a mouthful, right? Dance dynamic is, if you put it in terms of previous war bands, dance dynamic is, um, kind of like both parts of the sepulchral warden in one. Um, actually it's more like Varklav plus the sepulchral warden because you're getting, push five and also res a fighter. Um, it's wild. It's wild. And it's very interesting to note here that because this specifies pick a move action or an attack action, you can do those things even if you normally wouldn't. So if you've moved or charged and he danced dynamics, so if you've moved or charged with one of his conductive minions and you dance dynamic, you can still move that fighter, even though it has a charge token. Um, 
So this actually gives a pretty unparalleled amount of uh, mobility uh, compared to a lot of things that we've seen. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the conductive minions in a bit, but suffice to say for right now, there's four of them. So one action, move five fighters, and you can do that multiple times. Yeah, You can get a really good amount of board coverage uh, just with that. Yeah, well said. And I, and I completely agree. I mean, it's pound for pound. You know, you want to talk about action economy. This is the most powerful action economy that we've attack, seen or action that we've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. We thought that Varklavs was good and this is just Varklav and also Resident Fighter. So that's, yeah. uh, that's great. Yeah. And there's no limitations as to where these fighters go. You just pick move or you pick attack. And going back to, you know, the, the magical attack that we're talking about draining coil, you know, by itself, it's a pretty weak attack action, right? Right. But in conjunction, when you're essentially doing it for free, right, with four other attack actions, why not? Because then you can, and you get to pick the order of the attack, right? So maybe you can stagger, hopefully, with him first, which makes your minion attacks, who are possibly in range, more likely to hit. So as we can see here, just from this one fighter card alone, we have to unpack a lot of layers and positioning and timing and thinking ahead are going to be really important with this warband because of how much they operate and rely upon one another to, you know, not only get damage, but to hit on attacks as well. Yes. And we'll see, uh, again, we're without getting too ahead of ourselves. We'll see that the, uh, minions, the zombies are not very accurate, Yeah, but stagger giving out an innate reroll against that target. Um, there will be other ways to get plus dice and rerolls down the line, but, yeah, like you said, if you're getting multiple attacks, you fire this off first. Again, it's a hit on channels, so pretty good chance to get it. You're going to stagger them. You're going to get rerolls against them. Your little guys are going to hit better against them. It, you know, I would keep in mind going forward with this warband that this is really a combo warband, not combo in the terms of the Underworld's keyword, but in terms right. of like... It's a combination. You need things to set up. And when this sets up, it's very powerful. But the pieces themselves are not individually that powerful. Correct. Correct. Um, and it kind of like ties directly into the team of like a zombie swarm, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, there's going to be a lot of scenarios where like you're going to have a bunch of fighters that are moving or attacking all at once because they're under command of some sort of, I guess, a necromancer in this case. And, and you know, you, we talk about accuracy and we'll get into those zombies just in a moment, but they might be inaccurate they might be low damage but when when there's like three of them next to each other attacking one fighter and they get those supports and then possibly some upgrades we're going to start seeing a lot of damage bleed through so with that let's jump to the next fighter um this is prentice markov i think in underworlds they forgot the word the letter a before apprentice <laughs> but, yeah i wasn't sure if it was a name or a title at first yeah or it could be his name prentice could be his name who knows he's a level one wizard um this is the in the lore this is um Den dentalos's like right hand man he's like the igor to the frankenstein if you will so he is um the apprentice that is helping his dark master perform these experiments he has a movement of three two dodge three wounds he's got a bone saw attack that is range one two smash one damage with grievous and he inspires when a friendly Regulus's attack action succeeds. Regulus is, in a way, bonded to Markov. We'll get to him next. But he's like, I guess, Markov's undead bodyguard. Um, he's kind of like the Frankenstein um, 
of the group. But going back to Markov, he's got a special action called Puppeteer. Action. This fighter and a friendly Regulus can each make one action. Then place up to one friendly out of action Regulus in an empty hex within two hexes and give that Regulus one race counter. Reactions cannot be used during this action. When we jump to the inspired side, the only thing that really changes is Markov goes from one range, two smash, one damage Grievous to range one, two smash, two damage Grievous. So on a crit, he has the ability to go up to three damage innately. Now, Zach, I wanted to ask, do you think we should just cover Regulus? So in conjunction or should we just? Yeah, we should talk about Regulus. So it's important to note that there's kind of two groupings here. There's a, Dentalos, Dentalos with all of his conductive, and then there's Prentice with Regulus, and they kind of activate independently of one another. So yeah, let's talk about Regulus. So he's a minion, first and foremost, so that's really powerful because there's a lot of good minion cards out there, I think, Mm -hmm. lurking around. He's three move, one block, three wounds. He's got a pitted halberd attack that's range two, two smash, two damage, and he's got the beast um, icon next to him. So he can't hold objectives. Um, he can't have attack action upgrades and he's got, um, an ability called unbound. And after a power step or an activation step, this fighter has one or more race counters. This fighter is uninspired. Yes. Um, And and if we look at the uninspired side, mm -hmm. uh, I'll go ahead and talk about the differences first. Yeah. Yeah. The only, the only difference is that his attack action is two fury instead of two smash, Mm -hmm. but nothing else changes. Cool thing about all the minions in this warband is they actually begin the game inspired. So that's kind of why I read the inspired side first. Right. Um, when he has a raise counter or any minion has a raise counter, they auto uninspire or they auto yeah uninspire. So yeah, it's a it's a nice little mechanic to kind of show that they start fresh and they kind of deteriorate as they're killed and brought back and recombobulated over time. Yeah, and the lightning and the the force dynamic that's channeling them. You know, I'm sure those mechanical parts get damaged through combat, so they're probably not as animated as they once were. Yeah, it, it's a nice thematic bit there. Um, you know, they very easily could have made it strong on the uninspired side, and they inspire when they have a raise counter to like a worse thing. But I think this is much more thematic and interesting. Yeah, it's uh, very cool. But yeah, Markov uh, inspires when Regulus succeeds, and Regulus has a range two, two hammer, two damage attack pretty solid with Markov. I think it's important to talk about puppeteer because puppeteer is in a way a lesser, but also more flexible version of dance dynamic from the Dintelos uh, scroll where dance dynamic says you have to pick move or attack. This simply says this fighter and a regulus can make one action each. So mm-hmm. you can, charge with both of them and get a very powerful double charge action economy. You can uh, move with Prentice and then attack with Regulus and get a little bit of flexibility out of it. Um, So while it is only one thing that he's puppeteering, um, it does give him more kind of like utility uh, and in chance for you to really change your mind about what you want to do and kind of flex uh, your your tactical decision-making in this. Agreed. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that Markov almost in my opinion, and this probably you might agree, you know, listener after, you know, you hear us go through the other fighters is that almost 
Markov's puppeteer ability is more important, I think, early game than the um, than Dane Tallis's dance dynamic ability, if only because Regulus is your beater, right? He mm-hmm. is your early damage dealer. He's got range too. He's your threat. And you want him to stay alive and do as much damage as he can early while your minions kind of run up the board. So, yes, not a- Markov, you can think of it as Markov and Regulus are your... Uh, you you like your beat sticks and the other ones scale as the game progresses. So Agreed. by round three, uh, Dentalus and his conductive are going to be doing the lion's share of the work. But if you just want to pull the trigger and use Puppeteer to make two charge actions, like that's potentially three damage off the bat. That's potentially four damage because you have Grievous. Um, and if that in, inspire or if that succeeds and allows Markov to inspire, now you've got, you know, next turn potentially four or five damage sticking around yeah and keep in mind that markov is to dodge uninspired and inspired so if you can end that charge on a cover hex um he has a pretty decent chance of surviving despite his low wounds which is only three Mm -hmm. um just keep be careful when you are playing markov because if markov dies you can't bring regulus back yes i would um the double charge sounds awesome and i think early game can throw people off guard that being said, you know, maybe Markov can jump on an objective while Regulus, you know, whatever, whatever True. works. You, yeah. Yeah. Th- there's a lot of flexibility there, but yeah, yeah I mean, w- you're always looking for turn one, three damage or turn one, four damage is, yeah. is something that's really uh, important for a lot of war bands. So th- that's where this exists for your, uh, for you exiled dead players. Yeah. I would be amiss not to talk about the elephant in the room when it comes to the wording on Puppeteer, however. Um, Do you know what a recursive function is? No. So this is a programming term, says that a recursive function is something that calls itself. Currently, by the current wording, and I know this is not intended, but it's something that GW shouldn't uh, address. Um, When I make the Puppeteer action... Uh, Prentice Markov and Regulus each get to make an action. Nothing prevents me from making the puppeteer action with Markov. So I can use the puppeteer action, attack with Regulus, make the puppeteer action with Markov, and the second puppeteer action, attack with Regulus, and then make a puppeteer action. And as long as somebody's enraged with Regulus, attack an infinite number of times. That's not intended. I can tell you that's not intended because that would be very silly. However, uh, I think that's something that needs a little bit of a uh, massaging from the rule side of things. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. You broke the game, Zach. <laughs> so, so it is... I would never do this in an event. I don't encourage anyone else to do this at, a, at an event. However, it should not be left in the rules as written. We should probably get an FAQ for that. I agree. I think rules as intended, we can clearly see what the intent here is. Mm-hmm. Rules as written. Um, and, you know, it's so crazy. Like, my brain doesn't even, like, work like that. I'm like, of course, it only, you know, means that they can just do one or the other. But technically, per the words, you're right. You got me. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm glad that other people aren't picking up on it because that's that's silly and I don't want anyone to do it, but uh, it would be remiss not to bring it up just to yeah, chat about it. Look at that. First episode as a member of Path of Glory already putting me to shame. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll pull my rules lawyering out. 
Okay. Well, yeah, that sucks. So hopefully um, that is FAQ'd immediately. Um, (laughs) Well, uh, if not, I encourage every tournament organizer to put out a little note in their tournament packet saying this is not how this works. You know, it's up to us as a community to police ourselves as well. And I think a big part of that is making sure that uh, we pick up little pieces if something slips through the cracks. So, yeah. Yeah, I... I 100% agree. I think, you know, I think one great thing about the community online is that, you know, they're quick to act and quick to, in you know, impart rulings like this. So, um, you know, if any TOs or, you know, Beard Arm who runs the Vassal League, he can, you know, make this change very quickly because, you know, new board bands, people want to play them. And what better way to play them than to mess around in some online leagues and stuff, you know. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, well, good catch there. And uh, let's jump to the next fighters. Mm-hmm. So we've got, um, so essentially I'm just going to cover the rest of them pretty quickly. We've got um, Vlash, Ion, Coil, and Bolt. And so they're all three move, one block, two, w- three move, one block, and they have two wounds apiece. They all have, they all start the game inspired. On their inspired side, they have an ability called Unbound. After a power step or an activation step, if this fighter has one or more race counters, this fighter is uninspired. So same idea here as Regulus. Mm-hmm. Um, they also all have an ability called Overlord, Overload, <laughs> excuse me, plus one damage to this attack action if the target is staggered. We talked about staggered earlier being a way in which Daintelos can dish it out. So, you know, some more synergy with the force dynamic or the dance dynamic action. Um, but all these zombies overall are quite weak. Um, Bolt has got a um, range one, two fury, one damage attack on his inspired side, which has cleave. And then the overload special rule coil is two fury, two damage with overload. I think he's got that big orc arm attached to him. Ion is two fury, one damage and Vlash is two fury, one damage. And when they become uninspired, it's actually interesting because they actually have more attack actions on their uninspired side than they have on their inspired side. Yeah, so they're all very similar. I mean, you can think of their inspired side attacks all as kind of the same, just with one little tweak. Um, They're all range one, two fury, one damage overload. Uh, Vlash gets knocked back. Coil gets plus one damage and Balt gets cleave. Uh, But Mm -hmm. otherwise, they're exactly the same. Um, And then uninspired, they all get the crackling arcs uh, ability or attack, which is range one, two fury, one damage with scything and arcs where arcs is the same uh, rule on all of theirs. It is plus one dice to each attack action for each conductive fighter adjacent to this fighter. So it's kind of like the lightning is jumping between them and giving them more dice for their attacks. Uh, But then each of them also has kind of like a toned down version of their uh, inspired attack. So for example, coil has a, range one, two fury, two damage attack. It just doesn't have the overload keyword. So yep. they, they all get their inspired attack without overload. And then plus this crackling arcs at, uh, attack as well. Yeah. It's also and worth. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. They're all conductive and minions. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I really want to point out is that I like that the arcs ability is on the uninspired side because it does encourage you to lose zombies get them back, maybe revive them and then, you know, position them 
to where they're, you know, doing what zombies do, which is like mauling um, the, you know, like a single, you know, kind of swarming, you know, swarm attack. And the more that there are next to each other, the more damage or the more likely you are to hit, which I think is really interesting. So not only are you getting, you know, supports or half supports, but you're also getting more dice with each dice having a higher probability of rolling a success, which I think is pretty neat. Yeah, it's kind of a trade-off where inspired they get the damage if it's staggered, which again, you're trying to do so with Dentalos. And then uninspired, they have um, uh, the plus dice. And also Scything, which Scything is, you know, as we all know, is pretty great, uh, especially if you're running something like uh, Reckless Swing. That's right. Uh, it's also worth noting that all of these minions also have the beast icon. So mm-hmm. uh, no attack action upgrades, no holding objectives. Um, I, I was a little sad to see that because my first read through, I uh, didn't see the beast icon. And I was just like, hey, man, what if I gave all these guys range three attacks? And then I did dance dynamic and I just shot with like five guys at 500 once. 500 attacks at once. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, sadly you can't do that. You just, uh, you've got to use their range one attacks, which is probably for the best. Yeah. But that being said, you know, I really like the fact that they went this route. I mean, I think it's important that not only does every warband play differently, but it also plays the theme and like Mm -hmm. zombies holding objectives doesn't make sense. But furthermore, you know, this is the kind of, it's been a while since we've gotten a seven fighter death warband. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the last time we got one was beast grave. Yeah, it was Grimwatch. it was Grimwatch because then we yeah. got uh, Kynan's Reapers, which is six and mm-hmm. a very different type of six. You had that uh, six wound leader that you guys were talking about in your last episode. Um, yeah, but this definitely plays more like a swarm. I mean, Mortex swarm kind of, but it's a different type of swarm compared to what you got from like thorns or skeletons. Um I should say sepulchral guard. Uh, this is a little bit more in line with what you used to see with how people would play like swarmy thorns. Um, yeah. In its own way. Yeah. That being said, I think the strength of this warband isn't necessarily the fighter stats themselves. Mm-hmm. Maybe unlike Kanan's Reapers who do technically have like a similar play style, as you've just alluded to, I think the strength of this warband comes in the fact that if you're able to uh, position correctly, you can have a lot of attacks go through at once or at least attempted, right? So, and then, so what happens is we slowly fall into that rivers territory where it's like, it's just weight of dice. Mm-hmm. Eventually dice rolls are going to get through and sure it might be one damage or two damage, um, but it, it's going to add up. And I think when we go over some of the power cards, including the upgrades and gamuts, we're going to see how that swarm ability and that style of play can actually be very deadly two opponents um, whose fighters get isolated. So I think that's really exciting. It, it is. And I think people are going to learn it fast. Like you're going to look at these and go, oh, they're all kind of mooks. And then you're going to get one time where like you have two zombies next to you, Dentalo shoots, and now it's like he does one damage. He boosts their damage by one. Now they're doing two damage each with overload and they're getting rerolls. And you're just going to take five damage from zombies and you're going to go, holy crap. That's, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's going to be, it's definitely going to be a thing that I think people are going to have to learn to deal with. Yeah. And it's, it's not going to be something that happens all the time, but it's not going to be uncommon either because yeah, look at what happens with wolf bites, you know? I think it's much more common. And this kind of goes back to what I was saying about this being a combo war band is, 
you know, if you get that massive combo where you've got three zombies attacking and Dentalo shooting all at the same time, like that's going to feel insane. But I think what's going to be more common is you're going to set up little combos. One zombie's adjacent over here. One zombie's adjacent over here. Dentalos is somewhere in between. Now I can kind of set up, I shoot over here at target A and then a zombie attacks target A, but I'm still getting one little attack over on target B. Uh, Mm -hmm. with this Mm -hmm. other zombie and like trying to set up that board state where your opponent has to deal with X number of attacks here and there. Um, I think that's going to be a big portion of how to play this war band. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Cause that chip damage adds up. So let's jump into the objectives. Mm -hmm. So um, we usually do this alternating. It depends how you'd like to do it, but if you want to read objectives and then have me respond first, um, we can do that and then we can just flip flop all the way until we get to upgrades. How's that sound? That sounds great. Great. Uh, so yeah, let's start with alternating strike here. Um, the first one here, alternating strikes is a surge score. This immediately after an activation step in which two or more friendly fighters each made one or more attack actions. What do you think about this? Yeah, I think this is a pretty good card. Um, especially for this warband. I mean, we have puppeteer, we have dance dynamic. Um, this is probably going to be an auto include because this is inevitable, right? Mm-hmm. It's Thanos. It's going to score eventually at some point in the game. If nothing else, you can force it with a double charged puppeteer, even if you can't set up the dance dynamic, but you're probably going to be able to set up the dance dynamic. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, appalling end. Uh, another surge, uh, score this. In, oh, I should say, uh, alternating strikes is one glory. Um, yes, that is important. Yeah. Appalling end surge score this immediately after a friendly minions attack action took the target out of action. One glory. Yeah. I love the, the, the flavor text on this card. I do so wish they could leave the bodies intact. And it's like a picture of these, like, like all minions just going in on some poor soul. I don't it, know who it is. It's like something out of walking dead. They're just tearing it to shreds up here. Yeah. Yeah. There's some of the card art gets pretty bloody. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it, pretty crazy. They keep it PG 13 bloody, but it's still, it's pretty brutal if you look at it for too long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in terms of this card, it's not a bad one, right? Like um, remember Regulus is a minion mm-hmm. and I expect Regulus to get a kill. Right. Um, it, it really depends on the meta and are we are there a lot of high wound fighters out there? Um, are there going to be some more lower wound fighters out there? But in total, like I, I can definitely see this card being placed in decks. There's a part of me that thinks that eventually I'd probably remove it because like, relying on kills is something that isn't necessarily something that's been very popular. And especially in the Harrow Deep meta, the tail end of it, a lot of decks function without requiring any kills even aggro war bands like soul raid, right? You can argue that soul raid is more control aggro, mm-hmm. but essentially like good card in my opinion, but could be switched out for something else. I agree. I think this will probably take up your fifth or sixth search slot. Um, like you said, a lot of things are relying on positioning or dice rather than the actual taking out of combat because there's a lot of things out there. There is, you know, narrow escape, there's skin of our teeth. Um, a lot of things that can just prevent the kill, but you know, you can't prevent a positioning. You can't prevent just making an attack action in general. So, but um, I think it is important to note that like coil is two damage, three damage with uh, overload. 
um, Regulus is two damage at range two. Like, honestly, the things that are going to do damage in the long run are probably going to be your minions, uh, especially once you've kind of comboed them up and have some other tools, uh, power cards that we'll get to in a bit uh, rolling. So I think this is good compared to other kill cards that we've seen in the past. But uh, yeah, like you said, we'll see if it makes the cut. Yeah. I mean, that being said, like, you know, we talk about Prentice Markov, right? Like Mm -hmm. I can very, like the way that I think about wanting to play him just immediately is like, I'm probably going to keep him in the back. Maybe him jump on an objective to help score some sort of hold objective card or maybe to deny opponent scoring by flipping stuff or unflipping it Mm -hmm. Um, and keeping him safe while I kind of just like charge Regulus forward, kind of be a nuisance. Similar, similarly in the way you'd play Tamiel. You keep Elethane protected. You have Tamiel go out there. Even if Tamiel dies, he can come back. Same with Regulus. So in that scenario, I would kind of like the idea of a Palling End in a deck like that. But again, you know, depending on how you're building the deck and how aggressive you want to be, you may or may not want to keep it. At the end of the day, I think Zach and I can both agree this is a good search. It's a good search. This is like a, you know, this is four out of five. Yeah, that's fair. I take it. Okay, next one. Uh, we've got Direct Strike, another surge. Surge, score this immediately after a friendly fighter's attack action that deals three or more damage. One glory. Yeah, so I, I kind of like this one. It reminds me of like Surge of Aggression without for the, with the non-primacy condition, mm-hmm. right? Um, and as you mentioned, you know, Coil is two damage. Regulus is two damage. Um, Dantelos inspires to two damage. Uh, Markov, I think, is inspires to two damage. Inspires to two with uh, yeah. Grievous. With Grievous, yeah. yeah. Nothing gets so, to three innately, but everything gets to two. A couple of them can be two boosted up to three with either overload or grievous so yeah exactly yeah Yeah. so with with overload with grievous and then you're probably going to take you know savage strength great strength glory seeker punching up you know those are cards that are all good not only on your fighters but minions um you're going to probably score this more often than not it doesn't require a kill just a successful attack action and if you're able to position correctly with you know the um, the extra dice that maybe arcs can provide you, or the fact that you're just getting half supports and full supports because of the swarm strategy, I definitely see these attacks landing. And so again, I think this is a solid surge, and I wouldn't think it would be a bad choice if you took it in your deck. And in fact, I like direct strike better than appalling end. Yeah, I agree, especially because like we've said about appalling end, it requires taking out of action, which you can't mm-hmm. always. You know, there's a lot of uh, crushes you, you know people are still playing Hrothgorn people are still playing yeah. Re- uh, Kynan and if you just bonk one of them with a three damage attack and don't take them out of action you can score direct strike but you can't score appalling end so I, for that reason I like this better than the previous card yeah agreed what's interesting is the first four cards we're going to talk about are the this are all surges yeah <laughs> and and like all the other hero war bands there are just four surges yeah which is it's nice that they're being consistent with the rivals decks and it does like, it's cool that it's like, here's the rivals deck. It's not what you're going to play in championship play. You're probably going to want to expand this when you play rivals plus or championship, but it's nice to, to learn it early on. Yeah. To be fair though, because this is coming out as the same weekend as the Shadeborn and Skittershanks claw pack from nether maze, mm-hmm. both of their rivals decks have six surges. So. Well, another maze is apparently just OP compared to uh, 
<laughs> Harrow Deep. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, fun. you know, I wouldn't really reveal that, but because all these episodes are dropping at the same time. Right. Um, it's it's inevitable. Yeah. Well, at least it's not a Hrothkorn who's got, what, six or seven or eight uh, surges in his deck. Yeah, that that is a that that is a that is a dumb thing and it is a conversation for another time because I'll spend five minutes complaining about ranting. It. <laughs> yeah. But on that note, let's hop into Dread Puppetry. This is our next uh objective. And it, it as alluded to, here's a surge. Score this immediately after a friendly regulus is given a raise counter for one glory. Um and again, you're given a raise counter when you revive from the dead. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for explaining that mechanic. Um, so this card, I'm really, I'm really torn on. I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Again, I like the idea of keeping Markov slightly in the back and making Regulus like a threat that's just unignorable. But I think in a best two out of three, when your opponent sees that you score the surge at one point, they're just going to ignore Regulus. Um, now again, if you do the crazy thing that Zach talked about the never ending loop. Um, then, you know, who knows, but <laughs> I think overall, maybe with some clever positioning, you can get a lot of attacks off with Regulus, but is it, is it worth killing him, gaining a glory and then your opponent essentially netting the same level of look or net zeroing your glory because of dread puppetry? It's something to think about. Uh, I, I actually agree exactly with what you're saying. That was my exact, um, feelings when reading this card. Like first I was like, yo, this is a free surge. You're like, you're going to score this every game. And then it's like, are you really? Cause yeah, you're right. They can't ignore him. Um, he is a range two fighter with two damage. So, you know, you can give him cards to make him stronger and make him kind of that mid board squat on a cover hacks and poke things threat. Like we've seen with scritch, like we've seen with trepper. Um, he's not as great as them, but you know, he's a, he's okay. Uh, and so you can make him kind of unignorable, but like you said, this is an equalizer card. This is everything to prove. This is martyred effectively. Um, mm -hmm. and while those cards were relatively common, uh, we are in a different metagame and this is also on one specific fighter. So we'll see. I think it's possible. This makes the cut. Uh, if you are, do find yourself losing Regulus a lot, if you find yourself using him a lot as kind of your main, you know, combat threat source. Um, but I think that'll shake out over time. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I was trying to think like, how can I cheese this? And I thought about partial resurrection cause it gives a raise counter and brings mm -hmm. a fighter back, but ultimately, um, do you, cause it can be backup, right? Like if Markov dies, you can still raise counter or partial resurrect Regulus, right? Technically. Sure. And like, you know, you say you're going to be using uh, Markov kind of in the back squatting objectives and kind of rezzing from there, which if you're doing that, then you probably won't need partial resurrection. But if mm -hmm. you're kind of using them in tandem as, you know, like I was talking about a double charge squad or like a forward positioning type squad, because three wounds on two dodge can be a forward positioning type fighter. Um, partial resurrection is a nice backup for that. Um, yeah, that's a good shout. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. Cause like, just to continue down that rabbit hole, like if, if if you lose Markov early, then people might think like, oh, I can kill Regulus. And then you can partial resurrect Markov, who can then bring back Regulus through the puppet. Oh, that's action. true. He's not a leader. So yeah, you can totally bring him back up. 
So that's a way two you can for kind one. Of, yeah. Something to think about. Hmm. That's nice. I like that. Yeah, it's cool. It, so, like as we said, lots of crazy stuff you can do with this warband. Yeah, and to to kind of reiterate, the objective itself, it's fine. Um, yeah, I would. This is one I would definitely play around with and see how you feel about it. I would say that the way that I would describe this objective is the exact way that the flavor text has described it: passable Markov, imminently passable. <laughs> Possible code. I love the the if you read the flavor text throughout this set, um, it really is kind of like like you said at the beginning of Frankenstein and Igor relationship, where mm-hmm. Dentalos is kind of like, you know, he he suffers uh, Markov um, and needs him around, but treats him like a you know like a sidekick. It's it's very yeah. funny, even worse than a sidekick. Yeah. yeah. It's like you have to keep them around, but you hate them, but you know you need them. Exactly. Yeah. It's good. They put a lot of flavor in this warband. I like it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of flavor, this next uh, objective is pretty flavorful. Um, so this is Dynamic Chain. This is a duel. Score this in an end phase if each surviving friendly conductive fighter, which again is the, uh, the four minions and... Um, Dentalos. Each surviving conductive fighter is adjacent to one or more other friendly conductive fighters, and those fighters are in a single group. This is one glory. So this is saying those five fighters, Dentalos and Pals, if they're all clumped up together, you will score this at the end of the round. Yeah, and I think it's actually a pretty easy one glory end phase, pretty reliable because of the dance dynamic ability Mm -hmm. where you can just move everybody into a clump if they are all within, um, you know, three hexes of one other fighter. Now, when a, when it's a single group, it doesn't necessarily mean that all of them need to be touching each other. It's just as long as one is adjacent to one who's adjacent to another throughout the entire chain, you'll score this card. Yeah, you can conga line it. It's the similar wording to um, Scrum back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, exactly. And a good thing to note about this is that uh, the res, the resurrection part of Dance Dynamic, puts you in an adjacent hex to Dentalos. So if you have a fighter out of action and you don't want to reposition, you can resurrect, kind of pop it in between your other fighters to fill that chain out and like connect Dentalos to the rest of them yeah. uh, and to score this. So there's a lot of ways to score this. I agree, it's pretty scorable. Um, it's probably a little bit harder in round two or round three where maybe you spread out to be on cover hexes. Maybe you've spread out to engage multiple targets. But if you are kind of moving forward as a clump, moving forward as a, a zombie horde, so to speak, um, yeah, you should pretty much always score this. And it does put a little bit of a burden on your opponent as well because now your opponent goes, all right, do I want to shut down this one glory card by using hypnotic buzz or center of attention to break apart the chain. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of mind game involved with it as well. Exactly. And, and even with like center of attention, right? Mm-hmm. Like the trade-off is then that, okay, my opponent doesn't score one glory, but now I potentially have one or more conductive fighters adjacent to me because right. of the center of attention. Right. So, and now dance is a threat. Exactly. So again, smart play, um, I think which we've been reiterating thus far is going to really reward exile dead players because it's, they're going to try to just create these lose, lose situations for your opponent. 
mm-hmm. and they're just going to benefit from it, which I think is really exciting. Yeah, it's a thinking man's warband. For sure, for sure. Uh, next, we've got Forbidden Lore. This is Scorn and Enphase. Each surviving friendly fighter has one or more charge tokens and or one or more move tokens. Uh, this is one glory. Yeah, again, I think this is pretty much an auto score in this warband. You have Puppeteer and Dance Dynamic mm-hmm. that are going to... That's Literally, you can spend two activations. You can draw two cards and then Dance Dynamic and then Puppeteer and then score this card because... It's again, it's, it's so easy. You should take it. It's inevitable. Yeah, this is very similar. Um, both gets and skeletons had a card like this. Um, I can't remember the names of each card, but they both had cards that said every fighter has a move token. Um, maybe gets didn't have one. I know skeletons had one for sure. Gits had one where it was like five or more fighters have a move token. Mad Scurry or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, because uh, Snurk eventually couldn't make a move action. So that would make sense. Yeah. Um, but it's much easier scored than either of those because, you know, maybe you could do a big gets chain and maybe you wanted to sit there and make, you know, four activations with the Sepulchre Warden. But like you said, two activations is way more reasonable. Um, and it's very likely you're going to do at least one move dance. And it's very likely that Markov is going to either do a move Markov charge Regulus or a move in a move or a, you know, charge in a move or something like that. Um, so yeah, this is, this is probably going to be scored as long as your two big guys are alive. Now that is the caveat to this, that if somebody comes and Merc's Dentalos, this, mm-hmm. this is a dead card. Yeah. So, but if somebody, comes, point. but if somebody comes and Merc's Dentalos, I think most of your cards are going to be dead. So, you know, yeah, this is more band is very thematic. And because of that theme, it falls right into that whole death theme, which is if your leader dies, (laughs) you're probably in for a hard battle. If that happens early. Yes. And well, we'll talk about as we get to the power cards as to how you can kind of prevent that and support that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Next, we've got force dynamic. Score this in an end phase if one or more friendly fighters each have two or more move tokens. One yeah, glory. Again, yeah. Again, this is super, super simple um, and probably quite attainable because of the force or the dance dynamic action. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can just do the action. And as Zach mentioned earlier in the episode, it doesn't say that you can't do it if you already have a move or a charge token. So you can just keep moving, keep attacking. Um, and it just says one or more friendly fighters. So this could be Dantelos himself, right? If all your Aquawkers are dead, conductive, you know, minions are dead later in the game. So I think at any point in the game, this is pretty doable. Yeah. I think the only downside to this is that in terms of action economy, you may want to say activation one, you know, do something slow, like draw a card or move on to an objective. And then starting from then on, like, you're only going to want to do dance dynamic as a move once, and then you're going to want to start doing his attacks. So mm-hmm. it may mess up your game plan. Like maybe you will do a second dance dynamic as a move um, just to score this when you may have wanted to attack, or you may have wanted to do another activation like draw or charge with a fighter. Um, but that being said, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, auto scoring one glory because just by playing the game as it is, 
is not a bad thing. It just is something you're going to have to keep in mind. Yeah. And it might make for some awkward situations exactly as you've mentioned. But I mean, I think the theme with this war band is that like a lot of your one glory end phase cards, which they, I'm glad they're one glory are scorable, but just by playing your natural game plan. Again, you're keeping him safe. You're throwing zombies at the enemies. You're going to score this if you want to score it. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, next, we come to Meat Locker, and this is the big scorer. So, dual score this in an end phase if each surviving enemy fighter is in enemy territory. All right, a little difficult. And each surviving enemy minion is an enemy territory, or each surviving friendly minion, I apologize, is an enemy territory. And this is three glory. So, all your enemies and all your little dudes have to be on the opponent's side of the board. So I think this is a very interesting card. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I love in the art that uh, those grots are going to get wrecked. Yes. Um, <laughs> the novelars. Um, I think this is a very hard card to score in the current meta that in, that a lot of players are going to want to invade your territory and jump on your future tokens. Yeah, especially, I mean, even objective holding for what objective holding factions are out there right now, they're scoring horrors in the dark, they're scoring fearless seekers, they might even be scoring making a statement. So they're going to come to you Um, and ensuring that your opponents are on their side of the board. Like this is, I guess you could say this is a more difficult denial and nobody's playing denial. Mm hmm. So, well, this is essentially denial and conquest. Yeah, it's both of them at the same time. Essentially, because you're you need your minions up there. So, and Regulus is a minion. Don't forget. Yes. So you'd have to you have to get five of your minions on the other side of the board. Um, to be fair, it's a surviving, so you could maybe cheese this or like a partial resurrection. Um, well, wait, partial? No, that's not going to work either. Partial's on your side. It's on your side. Yeah. Both both of the reses for this faction, uh, puppeteer and dance dynamic, put you next to uh, the person resing them. So, if you're being forward with Markov, if you're being forward with Dentalos, which is a little bit scary, um, but you can res an enemy territory, and yeah. you know, it, I think it's too hard even for three glory, and it's in any end phase. It's not an third end phase so it's an any end phase three glory but i still think it's a little too hard yeah i think the current prevalent cards in the meta would dictate a strategy that is counterintuitive to scoring this card Mm -hmm. now maybe if the metagame goes to like everyone's playing purifiers everyone's playing you know dominant position hold to a dread pageant who's hang out in their territory a lot like maybe if the meta shifts to that you might see this card played but yeah like you said right now it's just a no-go Mm-hmm. Uh, that takes us to mobile resistors. Duel. Score this in an end phase if each surviving conductive fighter is adjacent to one or more other friendly conductive fighters. So kind of what we saw before. And one or more of those fighters is on an objective token. Now, this doesn't have the stipulation that they have to be in one group. Um, merely that they all have to be together. So you could have a clump of two, a clump of three, whatever works in the situation you're in. Yeah. And this is one glory again. I think this is another one of those cards where um, is actually pretty easy to score. Um, it, over the course of the game, you're going to be, you know, moving your fighters towards enemy fighters. Um, and along that path, especially if you set up correctly, you can have an objective that is on the way 
And because it's a friendly conductive fighter, this can also mean Dentalos because mm-hmm. he's conductive. So maybe he can camp an objective which can help deny or score, or deny an opponent's score or help you score. And as long as he's next to a fighter or he's recently rezzed a fighter mm-hmm. during the course of the game because, you know, you're placed adjacent to him, you have scored that card. So I think there are so many different ways in which you can score this. Um, especially with just a little bit of minimal forethought in the objective placement phase of the game that I don't see why you wouldn't take it if you're looking for easy one glory. Excuse me, scores. That being said, I think there's a lot of one glory easy scores, so maybe you don't want to take so many because it lowers your glory deck count. Yeah, uh, most decks right now are only running one or two one glory, so you're going to kind of choose between, and I think out of the ones we've seen so far, this is a little bit harder than the rest. Mm -hmm. Um it's also interesting to note that because all the minions have beast, uh, they can be on objectives, but they can't hold it. So you can like kind of use this and at the same time deny scant resources. So there's like exactly. there's some neat things about it. Um, but I don't know if you would pick it over, say, Force Dynamic or uh, Forbidden Lore or Dynamic Chain. So yeah, um, it, it depends on what end phase cards are available to you. And that being said, it also depends on your play style, right? Sure. So if you like yeah. to be KG in the beginning of the game, or, you know, this could this could help you do it. And keep in mind that, you know, this could even be an enemy territory if you're playing full-out aggro. This, this is something that is attainable. I agree that out of the three, this probably isn't my number one pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's... Again, if I saw it being played or if I played it myself, I would hope that it wouldn't be like two out of the ordinary. Yeah. Like, yeah. I wouldn't raise an eyebrow at it, but I don't know if it would make my cut for sure. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, moving along, we've got stench of dynamism. Uh, score this in an end phase. If your warband cast three or more spells in the preceding phase, this is two glory. Yeah. So I like wizards and I like magic mm-hmm. and this reminds me of curse breaker stuff and eyes of the nine stuff. Mm-hmm. And one thing to think about immediately off the bat is that, um, Dan Talos has a magic, his, his only attack on his uninspired side is a magical attack. Now for a magical attack action to be successful, it must hit and deal damage. That's how it is successfully cast. That being said, you don't have to rely on it. I think there's some pretty interesting spells in this deck and there's some pretty interesting spells that are still in dire chasm that you can probably take to help maneuver some things. There's also some spells that are coming in the universal cards that we'll talk about later in this episode. So I think if you want to cast spells and build like a spell heavy power deck, you could, is that going to be optimal? I don't know because spells always have a chance to fail, even though you are a level two wizard. That being said, um, I do like this card and I want to make it work. I just don't know if I will make it work. Yeah, I think this would be a, a no-go for me. I think this would be a dead card if it was only one glory. Like if it was cast two, one glory, like even though casting two is a lot easier, I think I'd be like, eh, one glory, no. But, you know, you do look for these two glory end phases. So it's appealing on that alone just to kind of boost up your um your glory total available to you. And you're right, there are some good spells already available. There's some good spells that we'll chat about in a second. Uh, the faction has some pretty good spells. Uh, and it is worth remembering that Markov is a wizard, a level one wizard, so not amazing. But, you know, if you're putting in single channel success uh, spells in your deck, like some of the ones we'll talk about, um, you know, it says two, 
two-thirds chance for Markov to cast, even if something happens to Dentalos, heaven forbid. Um, yeah. So, the gash forbid. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you you kind of have this backup. You kind of have these plans. I think you could consider using it, especially if you're being more aggressive with Dentalos and you're, like, posting him up in the middle and he's shooting off, you know, two, three activations. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, it, one of the things that I think we'll talk about later on is that there's not a huge amount of two glory end phase cards that are really available to this faction. So mm-hmm. you might end up having to put this in just to keep that glory total topped off. Um, yeah. So it, it's worth taking a look at. But to be fair, right. And, and all of the points you made are very valid. And I do agree with all, almost all of them. In fact, all of them, I would say that, um, one thing to think about is that Dane Talos, though he can benefit from the swarming, you know, half supports and full supports because of his magical attack. If you can get that first stagger through, he is rolling two dice hitting on channels and crits with one reroll because the opponent is staggered. Mm-hmm. So it can make casting the, that spell over and over again more likely, especially because of the dance dynamic action. In theory, you could get four shots at casting the spell which could become more accurate if you succeed one time before. So in a way you can score this prop potentially with very little power card support. I I think, I think so as well, especially, you know, the game is very aggressive. The game is very in your face right now. Like if you draw this in round two or three, your opponent's going to be in your territory and you have a range three attack and your opponent's just going to be surrounded by zombies or you're going to be able to protect Dent Dintalos with zombies. Um, so, you know, just kind of like, hey, you've brought Crusha within three hexes of me. I'm going to shoot you as many times as you'll allow me until you run mm-hmm. away. Um, yeah. And yeah, okay, I'm probably not killing Morgok, you know, with this one damage shooting attack, but... I'm scoring this, I'm setting up dance dynamic, I'm, you know, being a threat and putting stagger tokens out and taking away your guard and stuff like that. So it's, um, I, you're right, this probably is more scorable than I'm giving it credit for. So I'll, I'll probably try this out. I'll probably pop this in and uh, give it a shot. Yeah, it's definitely going in my deck. I don't know if it'll stay, but I, I think I think it could be easier than we both think. Yeah, version one will have it at least. That's, that's, there you go. There you go. Uh, next, we've got Strict Tutor. Uh, very similar. Score this in an end phase if a friendly Markov cast one or more spells in the preceding phase. Uh, one glory. Uh, I'll read the, the flavor text because it's great. Adequate. Now do it again. Dentalos. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, a, he's kind of a dick, isn't he? Yeah, just a little bit. Um, this card I am very, very low on. I think with a, a fighter who potentially can be played aggressive or not. Um, I don't want one le- level wizard one trying to score a spell, especially when they don't have an innate spell. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just not, nah, I'm not feeling it. No, me neither. And like I said on the last one, I wouldn't have even looked at a uh, stench of dynamism if it was one glory and this is one glory and it's on your worst wizard. So meh. <laughs> yep. It's a solid meh. Like, I think you would run this card specifically if your deck was jam-packed with gambit spells and you wanted a glory for casting gambit spells. That's the only time you would take this. Yeah. I want a warband that has like five faction spells. 
Uh, that would be sick. They're called curse breakers. Well, they're <laughs> not faction spells, are they? Uh, I think they've got like they have? I think they've got like three, but they're like you know two channels, so it's like not yeah. great. Yeah. No, uh, impossible. No, never happening. Uh, we've got the Dead Unbound. Uh, this is actually our last objective card. Score this in an end phase if one or more surviving friendly conductive minions are uninspired uh, for one glory. Yeah, this is really interesting because um, I can't imagine your opponent not killing your minions, right? I think eventually they're going to have to. Otherwise, the dance dynamic weight of dice is going to get through them. Um so I think in a way, as long as you, I think this is another card that's potentially inevitable um, unless your opponent just doesn't attack your conductive minions, which I don't think is worth denying you one glory. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I think this is excellent. Like, again, they have yeah. a lot of really good one glory end phase. I think this is better than um, the Regulus one who's uh, Dread Puppetry. Well, Dread Puppetry is a surge. Um, but like you said, you're you have way more conductive minions. They're going to fight them at some point. Um, and you just res as part of dance, dance dynamics. So you're always going to be resing like 99% of the time. Something's out of action. It's going to get res by the end of the round. So you're never just going to be like, you, you know, there are, there are times with other war bands that res like, uh, so sepulchral guard or like, um, spike claws swarm where you might just leave a resible fighter off the board for a while. Cause you don't have the action economy to deal with it, but that's not going to happen here because you are going to attack with dance dynamic and then res you're going to, you know, move with dance dynamic and then res. Um, and it'll just happen. Like even if you're playing a warband that doesn't want to fight you, that wants to play like, uh, you know, the sinking feeling or fearless seekers type stuff. You're just going to throw conductive minions on those objectives and those feature tokens that they want to get to. And they're going to have to fight them and kill them. That's right. So yeah, I, I don't think there's a world in which your four, two wound fighters stay alive the entire game. Yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page. Um, I think, I think we can both say that overall the objective deck is pretty consistent and pretty reliable. Um, they've got a lot of really easy, almost inevitable cards to score over the course of a game. Mm -hmm. I think order will matter for some of them in terms of how early or late you draw them, but that's almost any objective deck, right? Sure. Um, overall, Zach, like what are your thoughts on the objective deck and which one is your favorite objective? Um, I, it's, I kind of have mixed feelings because I like a lot of these cards, but the fact that it's a lot of one glory and the the only three glory is very mid and the two glory that they have we've talked about is like we think it's good but it might be kind of hit or miss um it's a deck full of good cards that need to be supported by two glory end phase from universals so for that reason i'm like it's good but it's not great because it really does rely on those universals that everyone else is using yeah, I feel like even in Rivals Plus, like I just counted all the glory. It's only 14 glory. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of warbands out there that are rocking 15, 16 in Rivals Plus and potentially have are more aggressive for, 
you know, bounties um, and might even have glory in their power deck uh, and these and primacy and primacy. And these guys don't. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting, but overall I think I'm more, I'm more positive than negative on the deck. I think. Yeah, I think so as well. It's, it, it's good, but it's like, if I had my druthers, one of these easy end phase one glory cards would be a two glory end phase card. Um, and that would probably yeah. make me feel a little bit better about it. I agree. I agree. Um, which one is your favorite and why? Ooh, I like... I don't know. That's a really good question. I mean, I think the one that jumps out the most is just alternating strikes. Like, that's the one you're always going to score. And it's just going to feel really good when you get, you know, that big... You get this big dance dynamic multi-attack off and then you score this and maybe you kill the thing you're fighting. I think that's going to feel like the most rewarding card in your deck. Yeah, I agree. For me, I think I like Stench of Dynamism mm-hmm. just because I like magic. And I this is the card that I'm thinking about the most from an objective deck because I want to see if it's as consistent as I'm hoping it is. Mm. Um, yeah. And, you know, because of the need of those two end phase cards like we talk about warbands that do really well it's also because they have like great end phase cards that are too glory like rippers crushes vampires etc mm-hmm. even you know so um even soul raid so in this example um exactly yeah this card is important to me in trying to figure out whether this warband can be consistent in the long run i agree uh, i think that's very reasonable Okay, well, let's jump to the gambits. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start by reading these, and then you can give your first thoughts here. Sure. So the first card is a gambit spell called Channeled Dynamism. This casts on a channel. If cast, each friendly conductive fighter's move characteristic is four. The effect persists until the end of the phase. What are your thoughts? So starting off with a gambit spell, uh, one channel is all is the easiest you could have on a spell. Um, yeah. This is a spell version of um, Eternal Chase. Eternal Chase. Thank you. I was blanking on the name. So in that mind, I would just play Eternal Chase. But, and it also only affects Conductive Minions, so it doesn't affect Markov and Regulus, so it's slightly worse than mm-hmm. Eternal Chase. But if you're looking for mobility and you're looking for a spell and you're trying to cast Stench of Dynamism to get that up, um, you could do a lot worse. It's probably not the best spell to add to this warband, but um, I think it's. I think if you're looking to put spells in to make the casting more efficient, um, and maybe you put other casting uh, objectives in, I can't remember which ones are currently in rotation. Um, but if you are doing stuff with spells, like this makes the cut, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that's fair. Um, I think you're right. Eternal Chase is straight up better card. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for the reasons that you uh, mentioned, including, you know, the end game of scoring stench of dynamism, it's not necessarily a card I wouldn't play. Um, I do think you're right that like, I rather take a hypnotic, not a hypno, what is it called? The one where you can distraction, but it's a spell. Oh, it's um, was. it's, uh, oh, it's going to uh, bother me. Yeah. It's going to bother me. It's, um, hypnotic aspect. That's, I knew there was a hypnotic in there. Yeah, yeah good call. So, because because th- that card is also not to go on too much of a side tangent, but it's also one card, channel, so it's same casting value, and yeah. you know you're getting the push out of it, which is I think more important than the plus one move on all your dudes. Yeah, because then it helps set up the swarm. 
right? Mm-hmm. So I guess we should say that um, while Eternal Chase is better in general, Eternal Chase also helps your opponent. This only That's affects true. you. So if your opponent is a move three warband or, you know, they're profiteers and skeletons and they're only move two, this doesn't buff them. It also doesn't debuff enemy move five warband. So, you know, kind of take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. To be fair, if you're playing into profiteers with this warband, best of luck. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even want to uh, think about that. Yeah. The moment you said that, I was like, oof. Yeah, um, that's rough. Okay. Next card. <laughs> Corpse Light Globe. This is another Gambit spell, but this is on one focus. If cast, choose one enemy fighter adjacent to one or more friendly conductive minions. You can reroll one attack dice and attack rolls for friendly conductive minions attack actions that target the chosen fighter. This effect persists until the end of the phase or until the chosen fighter is taken out of action. What do you think? That's uh, reroll for conductive fighters, not just minions. So Dentalos also gets a reroll against that. Oh, did I, did I say minions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think this is good. Uh, casting on a focus is less reliable. But if you are setting up that big or even medium-sized dance dynamic, this is just going to make it better. Because even if you're getting that stagger from uh, Dintalos and he's giving out a reroll, now you're getting another reroll. And two fury is bad, but two fury with two rerolls is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, like you know, like I said, this is a combo deck. You're trying to get a bunch of things off at the same time. And this is just another piece to make that combination roll more efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think in a way this is this, this spell right here can really help you get through and take down um, some of those troublesome fighters or fighters that maybe you've like set up a nice swarm into, because a lot of times, as we mentioned, you know, two fury, even with half supports and supports Mm. isn't, isn't the most accurate thing. I mean, it's pretty good, but you know, it could be better. You can miss. You can roll a bunch of smashes. Mm. Um, so I think this can help. Um, again, I like that it's a spell. The focus doesn't bother me so much because Dantelos is a two uh, level two wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still a 50-50 including crits on each dice, right? So yeah, it's it's not too bad. And it's also nice that you can choose. It, it's just adjacent to a conductive minion. So if Dantelos is on one side of the board and Coil is adjacent to somebody on the other side of the board, you can still hit that guy all the way, you know, 10 hexes away uh, with this spell, which is pretty nice. Unlimited power. <laughs> True. Um, so overall, I think, okay, spell. Not bad. Um, the next one is called Dance of Daintalos. Another Gambit spell. We're on three already. Um, this one I'm not too excited about just because it's two channel to cast it. Mm. But if you cast it, pick move or attack each friendly inspired Conductive fighter can make an attack action of the kind you picked. Players cannot use reactions while the spell is being resolved. So essentially, it's a limited version of dance dynamic through a spell. So you could potentially do it in the attack action, then cast the spell. It's a hard spell to cast, and there's a limit because you have to have inspired fighters to do it. Yeah, I don't think this one makes the cut. I mean, it's very cool if it did. Um Maybe if you got a way to reroll your spell casts, or if you had a upgrade to make you a, a level three wizard, you could consider this one. But because the effect is strong, I mean, even if Dantalos is not inspired and he's just getting 
you know, the effect out of his minions, it's still pretty good, but I don't know. I, I just don't think it makes the cut as, as it is right now. Yeah. I just don't think any spell that's going to cast on two channel without an innate is worth it. Yeah. We haven't seen an innate since nightfall have we? Yeah. I don't think we ever will. <laughs> <laughs> it was too, good. it was too good. <laughs> um, Next one is called Dynamic Cage. Choose one enemy fighter adjacent to two or more friendly conductive fighters. Deal one damage to the chosen fighter. Uh, Ping damage is always good. And ping damage in a warband that doesn't really have giant burst damage is especially nice. um, Because this is helping you chip down opponents. You're probably going to be running push carts. You're probably going to be running... Uh, there's a couple in here we'll talk about in a second. You'll probably run center of attention or maybe even a sidestep. Um, and you can even just do this right after a dance dynamic move version to get two guys adjacent. Like, there's so many ways to set this up, and there's not many cards in the game that are just deal one damage anymore. That's rare, and when they're available, they're very, very good. So I think this is like... in. I don't, it might not go in every deck because it's just straight damage and not utility. But I think you would never bat an eye at seeing this in somebody's deck. Yeah. I will say I do love ping damage. You're right. In the weight of dice and the chip, chip, chip damage with a, you know, a surprise gambit can throw an enemy off and maybe be the difference between eliminating a fighter or setting up for an elimination mm-hmm. versus not. That being said, I do think the, so it's really interesting. So in theory, the way that you play this warband, the requirement of having to choose an enemy fighter adjacent to two or more friendly conductive fighters doesn't sound very difficult. But I think in some cases, or maybe you're playing against a canny opponent, they can maneuver or push to where they're never in that position. That being said, I do think that over time, you will always be, or at least inevitably be in a position to where you can use this. Um, but it's just something to think about because it's not like a straight up deal one damage it's pick a fighter between two of specific types of fighters which granted out of seven fighters five of them have the conductive keyword mm-hmm. then you can deal a damage yeah that, you know what i'm saying that that's true there like there is there it's less um it's less restrictive than a lot of ping damage cards have been in the past but there is still some restriction to it and you're right like if you dan if you um dance dynamic move and you put a enemy fighter next to two friendly, uh, two conductive fighters, um, they could just sidestep away. They could just, you know, yeah. uh, hypnotic buzz one of your guys away and make this impossible to use. Um, that said, like, I think if they're spending a card to delay it for a power step, and then in the next activation, you just get them right up against it again. Like, that's not even a loss. Like you, you now have burned a power card for something that's going to happen anyway. And I think that's, I think that's okay. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just too in love with ping damage cards. Uh, but I, I like this one. You know, trust me as someone who used to run shard Gale, I love ping damage. <laughs> True. <laughs> right. I just, I just, um, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I'm just trying to point out, I'm just trying to poke holes in it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. It's not a perfect card. It's a, it's, yeah. it's got its ups and downs. Yeah. Okay. So next card, Necrotic Curse. This is another spell 
Nice. This is the fourth Gambit spell. Love it. Um, this cast on one channel. Love it. If cast, choose one enemy fighter within four hexes of the caster. Deal one damage to the chosen fighter and stagger that fighter. Then deal one damage to the caster. That's the caveat right there. What do you think? Ooh, I want to love this card. One damage, though, is... It's not a lot, but you never have. You can never underestimate one damage, right? Um, especially when it's... I mean, you could cast this with Markov and just kind of like use him as a suicide bomber to like run in there and deal this one, take one himself, and then maybe, uh, you know, double charge with Regulus and like kind of get this this combo going because now it's staggered and they're both going to get re-rolls and blah, blah, blah. Like there's some neat stuff here and then re-rolls into Grievous because he has Grievous on his attacks. So like there's some neat stuff you could do with him, but likely you're going to be casting this with Dintalos. And you don't want to take one free damage on Dintalos, right? Like mm-hmm. he's so important to the warband that even just losing one wound could open you up to losing your most important fighter in the entire warband. So it's, I want to love it, but the downside is, is a lot heftier than it might seem at first glance. I completely agree. I think, so the difference for one damage for Markov, for example, Mm -hmm. is being one shot by most fighters in the game versus not. Right. Right. Then the fun for Dane Talos is why are you giving the linchpin, the fulcrum of your warband, the guy that makes everything work, you know, one damage. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Um, so for that reason, I think we're both just going to pass on this one, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe if you are, you could run like healing cards. You could run, you know, plus wounds specifically for Dintalos. But like, yeah, I just, I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, I think, could this card win you a game? Sure. Oh, yeah. But I think at that point, you could probably find better ways to win the game. Mm-hmm. While keeping your leader entirely healthy. So... Let's just jump to the next one. Mm-hmm. This is a cool one. Reassert control. Choose one uninspired friendly minion. Heal to that fighter. Remove that fighter's raise counters. The fighter is inspired. I don't like it. Uh, and I, I mean, re-inspiring a fighter sounds great. I love that part. But you can't... Correct me if I'm wrong on this. If you can't do the thing on the card, you can't play it, right? So... If your minion is unwounded, you can't play this because heal two requires you to have damage on you. Yeah, this only works for Regulus. I mean, you could run a minion, a, a un, you could run an uninspired minion through a lethal and then heal with this. But like, God, are you ever gonna do that? Is that just, no. is, just a, is that a thing that's gonna happen? I don't think so. Yeah, I think with the recent FAQ or the beginning of Harrow Deep FAQ. Um, this was probably written before that FAQ um, because of the way that, because it just doesn't make sense. Like everybody is all your minions are two wounds. Um, the, the other portion of that is that like, yeah, when your guys are inspired, they get overload. So you get to combo with that stagger from Dintalos and, you know, get the, uh, the slightly better damage output. But do you really care that much especially when it's just one minion that you're gonna do like if your opponent has killed two or three of them and now there's multiple uninspired like is re-inspiring one of them really gonna make that big of a difference probably not i you know this might as well this might as well just say restricted to regulus because he's the only one 
who's going to be wounded. And he's the only one you really care about re-inspiring because he goes from two fury back to two smash. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I would generally pass just because it's a little too situational for my, cause it's like Regulus has to die and then come back and then you want to re inspire him. I, I don't know. It, it just doesn't feel good to me. Yeah. I, I think I agree 100%. Um, that being said, like maybe if you're putting wounds on a specific fighter that you have tooled up with like a great strength and stuff like that, and you want to keep bringing them back to life, this could be like a jank way to do it and keep them consistently on the board. Mm. Um, but again, not really sure. Um, and I think Regulus is the main target. And I think there are other cards that just probably do this better. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you are, and we'll, we'll see a couple ways to make your minions more durable. If you're running all of those and then you like throw great fortitude on coil or something like that. And then you're like, you know what? I really wish this coil was also inspired. Like sure. But eh, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, let's just jump to the next mm-hmm. one. Scorching Surge, plus one damage to the first range one attack action made by a friendly conductive minion in the next activation. After that attack action, if it resulted in a critical hit, deal one damage to that minion. Uh, this is good. Um, I think one thing to note about this and other cards that you may bring in conjunction, uh, like Ferocious Blow, is that it is the first range one attack action made by a friendly conductive minion. So you can dance dynamic go first with uh, Dintalos and still get this bonus on, because it's not the first attack action, it's the first range one attack action. Correct. So you shoot with Dintalos, you get the stagger, and now you're attacking with one of your little dudes. They're getting the reroll from stagger, they're getting the potentially the overload if they're still inspired, and they're getting plus one damage. You don't care about the critical hit, you know, hitting back. They're just minions. They're going to die anyway. Um, so... Yeah, this is a great card. I think this you probably put this in every deck that's focusing on conductive multi-attacks. I completely agree. The one thing I will add is the from a lore perspective, you know, this is the second card we've seen where you take damage mm-hmm. um, by getting a benefit. So I think it comes down to combination of the, the pitfalls of necromancy, you know, mm-hmm. like right. kills you over time, but also like you know, a surge. So gives you power, but then you take your, the body that got surged probably is not as fully formed. Right. Right. Or weakened. But unlike necrotic curse, this is only on a critical hit. So like if you swing and hit two fury or your supports or whatever, then yeah, you don't take the damage. So that's great. Yeah. If somebody was like, pretty much like if you roll a crit, take a damage, I'd say, okay. I mean, if it, if it increases my chances of rolling a crit, I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. They're all one shotable anyways. Right. So, mm-hmm. Next one is Sparking Shuffle. Choose up to two friendly conductive minions. Push each chosen fighter up to two hexes. Uh, this is probably an auto-include. I mean, every time a Swarm War Band has had a multi-move card in their power deck, like you, you pretty much always see it. This sets up Dance Dynamic. This puts you in position for uh, scoring objectives. This sets up, you know, this can set up your... Uh, uh, dynamic cage, you know, there, there's just so many things you can use this for. And I think it's uh, an auto take. 100%. Nothing else to add there. You hit it on the head. <laughs> Next card is sudden lurch. This is a reaction. Play this during an enemy fighter's attack action. After the attack roll, push a friendly regulus up to three hexes. So he's adjacent to that fighter. So, or to the attacker, to the attacker. So this is, um, 
counter charge, but one hex further, but only for Regulus, and only if Markov is alive. It's probably fine. I don't know if it makes a cut, like, once you're in championship and you're adding new stuff, like... Yeah. I don't know. What, do, you, do you think this is something that you'd, you'd want to run? Yeah, so again, I think it's like, depending on how you plan on playing Markov, which I don't know if there is a right way to do it yet, because... Is the goal to keep him in the back? Is it not? Um, I think you're right that there's, and I didn't mention this, but you alluded to it. He, it is restricted to Markov. So that being said, I think this is this may be one of those cards that suffers from too many um, restrictions. Restriction. Yeah, no, I yeah. would agree with that. Yeah, it's a cool idea though, and I think in in Rivals Plus and in Rivals, it's very thematic. I really want to like it. I'm just not sure if it's going to make the cut. I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel like if you want to play like a Regulus heavy deck, you could probably get good use out of this. Because then at that point, you'd keep Markov in the back. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it does allow him to support. It does allow him to get into range for his next attack so he doesn't have to charge with his next activation. It, it's a good card in general, but like there's a lot of good cards and maybe this one doesn't make your 10. Yeah, well said. Okay, well, let's go to the final gambit then. Terrible dynamism. Choose up to two friendly conductive minions that are out of action. Place each chosen fighter in a hex adjacent to your leader. Give each chosen fighter one raise counter. Uh, so it's a double res. Um, I want to say... Faction card, factions that have res cards, so Sepulchre Guard, Grim Watch... Um, and uh, Spike Claw Swarm. Like, you don't always see the res cards played. Um, you saw Partial Resurrection played to the point where it was restricted, but that was really because it was being used on bigger fighters than the ones that actually could be resed in general. Um, choo- is When's the time where you have two conductive minions out of action and you would rather play a card to res them rather than just resing them with dance dynamic over two activations. Maybe you want them immediately and want them available for dance dynamic in the next activation. Yeah. So like, Hey, somebody's in my face. I have two guys out of action. I pop them both up and then, you know, maybe they can attack maybe they can move. And I just have that utility available. I can see this being in decks. Um, I can also see it being cut if you're tight on cards. So, yeah, it's good, though. I mean, it's a good card. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I think there's some utility here. A, probably less impactful, but still somewhat impactful, is the fact that if somebody is in your face, you can get your leader an auto half support and full support on their defense. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. If you are able to place them correctly to where they're also next to the attacker. So you can set up to where you can defend into the next fighter's attack action towards your leader. Secondly, I think you're right. I think you certainly most can um, set it up to where you, you bring them back up and then you swarm a fighter and you get extra dance dynamic utility or efficiency rather. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're right. This is probably a card that you put in and then you probably cut. But in some cases, I don't know. I mean, I think being able to just pop two back up on the fly is pretty nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything that's said. And I, I will be interested to see how many people end up keeping this in their championship decks. Yeah, 
that I, I'm one of them. Am I going to keep it? We'll see. <laughs> yeah, same, same. <laughs> um, so cool. So overall, um, what do you think about the gambits in the deck? I think the gambits are very good. I mean, it's a, it's almost a 50, it's like a 40, 60 split between spell or no, there's three spells, four spells. There's four spells. That's yeah, 40% of the gambits are spells. Are spells. And as we talked about, two of them are pretty good. Two of them are okay. Um, but overall, there's a lot of great stuff in here. I don't think there's like the only stinker uh, card in here is like Dance of Dentalos and Reassert Control. And even those are like more situational than bad. So I don't know. I think this is a really powerful Gambit deck. Yeah. And powerful in the sense that it offers the Warband, the utility and the um, sustainability to do its cool stuff. Right. Yeah, and you know, we I'm, I'm sure everyone has realized this by now, but like the rivals decks or the the faction cards that come with decks nowadays are much more in theme than they used to be. Like, you know, the Shadespire days, you would just have cards in there that made no sense with the faction because it was like no sense at all. Yeah, because it was like, oh, it goes to theme, or like, oh, you know, we just want to encourage multiple play styles. But every single card in here flows together, and you can. You know, if you play this Rivals deck, it's going to feel like one cohesive deck. And I think yeah. I think for that reason, it's just, it's very good. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. These decks are designed, these factions are designed to work as a deck by itself. Mm-hmm. So, like, even if you look at, like, Crimson Court and Crack- Headcracker's Mad Mob, like, yeah, they rely on, like, a lot of external hunger and primacy cards. But ultimately, the, the mechanics are still fully functional, even when those cards will in- inadvertently rotate. Yeah, right? exactly. So it's pretty cool. Do you have a favorite gambit? Ooh, I like, um, well, I like the ping damage, but, um, I think sparking shuffle is just going to be my, uh, my pick. That's the push to conductive minions. I think it's just straightforward. So strong. Yeah. That's probably one of the best cards, if not the best card that we've seen so far. I'm going to go with dynamic cage just because ping damage is nice. Oh Yeah. And the card art is cool. Oh, yeah. All the art on this set is amazing, actually. Yeah. Uh, so let's go to upgrades, and I'll read these out, uh, and then we can chit-chat about them. So we start off with Convert's Zeal. This is plus one wound and plus one dice to this fighter's range one attack actions, but this is for Markov only. What do you think about that? Yeah. You know, so I don't hate it. I think... Plus one moon cards are great. Um, I think Markov jumping to three smash, one damage Grievous or three smash, two damage with Grievous on his inspired side is pretty nice. Um, That being said, I'm not a big fan of single fighter restricted cards unless they're the leader or like a really particular fighter. Like that's important to the warband like Regulus. Again, though, I think if you want to play a deck where Markov needs to stay alive. This could be one of those ways to do it. Him having to dodge makes him more likely to stay alive than any of anyone else in the warband, uh, other than Dentalos based on wounds. But um, I don't know. I think if you're going to put in a, a, a single fighter restricted card, this is probably not a terrible one. Um, but I guess, you know, like you've said, it really depends on how you play these, uh, how you play uh, Markov in general. If you're just chucking him up the board, you kind of want the plus one wound and the plus one dice. 
but he's also more ripe for dying before ever getting to put this on. So it's a little bit of a trade-off. Yeah, like if you bottom deck this or like you draw it when he's dead, you're going to get annoyed. Mm. But again, I think if you take partial resurrection, I think cards like these become much more consistent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, this kind of mitigates one of the big things about partial resurrection is that you come back with only one wound. Then you Mm -hmm. throw this on. Now he's got two wounds remaining, which still isn't great, but you're not getting killed by, you know, a lethal hex or whatever. Yeah. And more importantly, you bring back Regulus. So then you can puppeteer and then you have a more accurate Markov Mm -hmm. with an extra, you know, two dice range two two damage attack. Yeah. Even if he's just partial resurrecting and then charging in with that three hammer, you know, attack that that's still very, very, very good. Yeah. Agreed. Next card. Uh, Next card. We have crackling field reaction during an enemy fighters range one or range two attack action that targeted this fighter after the deal damage step, deal one damage to the attacker, then break this card. You can use this reaction even if the fighter is out of action. So it is a deal one damage back to a range one or two enemy attack. Um, this is restricted to conductive only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so it's an interesting card. Um, I, I, I think... Honestly, if you stuck this on an Arc Walker, I would just ignore the Arc Walker. I would just kill the ones around it. Mm-hmm. If you put this on Dane Talos, I think it's worth taking one damage to, to, to kill, him. kill him. Yeah. So I think it's a pretty bad card, actually. Yeah. I mean, you can. Out of the Arc Walkers, Coil is the most important one because he has the two damage baseline. Um, I think that's the most important anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, you could put on him and kind of force them to fight coil or force them to avoid coil and not fight him so he can get more attacks off. But like, yeah, I don't know. It's fine. Yeah. I'm just not feeling it. Yeah. Same. So let's jump on to the next one instead. Dynamic bolt. This is a Dintalos only card. This is an attack action. It is a range three uh, focus. So swirly uh, two damage also with stagger. So essentially, this is just his base attack action, but plus one damage and less accurate. Yes. The, I mean, it makes it more in line with other wizards' attack because most wizards have focus to damage. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't think I would take this card if only because like, if I wanted him to do more damage, I'm probably hitting a fighter that's four wounds. Um, and I'm just at that point, I'm taking Glory Seeker. Mm, but this can stack with Glory Seeker. Well, that's true. I mean, you can get him to three damage and I guess that can score you that dire chasm surge, which is deal three or more damage with a spell. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I would make this like the first pick for my upgrades, but like, you know, you get to your eighth, ninth, 10th card and you're like, Hey, maybe I want to upgrade my leader's damage. It's not terrible. It's, it's not terrible. I would much rather this say plus one damage. Yeah. And um, keep the channel. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think this is going to be like my 11th or 12th card. Sure. Personally. Yeah, that's true. Uh, especially with how many good upgrades are in just like essentials or whatever. Um, yeah, it's incredible. So dynamic enhancer is our next one. This is restricted to Dintelos or Markov. So your two leader and lieutenants. Uh, plus one damage to friendly conductive minions, range one attack actions other than scything. So not the scything. 
while they're within two hexes. So this is kind of an AOE great strength. What do you think about that? I think this is really good. I think you stick this on Dane Talos, who's always going to be with the vamp. I mean, with not the vamps, he's a vamp. He's going to be with his zombies because he hits at range two when he's inspired, but also at range three. So as long as he's chilling near his zombie pack, which in theory he should be based on the way the dance dynamic is best played, I think this is really good when trying to, you know, get a bunch of damage through. I would generally, I would generally agree with that. I think, um, I mean, it, it does force you to be in a position that is maybe closer than you would like. You know, sometimes you want that range three to be as far away as possible. Um, and to get full use out of this, you kind of have to be in the thick of it, but like, Hey man, you turn all your conductive minions into two damage coil into three damage. You hit the stagger. Now they're, you know, extra, you know, they're three damage and then four damage. And wow, that actually really stacks super fast. So yeah. yeah. And it helps you score direct strike, which is a fighter doing three or more damage. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you can get it with multiple different fighters at that point. So yeah, it's good stuff. I think it's a great card. Uh, and then we have its counterpart, which is a dynamic stabilizer. Um, when a friendly conductive minion within two hexes is dealt damage, reduce that damage by one to a minimum of one. So this is also, again, Dantalos and Markov. Did you have to read the flavor text on this one? Really, Markov, an auric could operate this device. Must I show you once more? Ooh, I like the vamp voice. <laughs> um, this is another great card, I think, in my opinion. Um, so this is really crazy because like your fighters are two wounds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so most fighters in the game can just kill your conductive fighters, um, or your zombies essentially without any damage upgrades. But if you get this early and you stack it and Dane Talos is there, right? That AOE bubble, it makes your arc walkers so much harder to kill that I think this is, this is incredible. If you take stabilizer and enhancer, stick it on Dane Talos, you're going to just change the game. Yeah, I mean, you you kind of create this this sham, like you know, like you, you've said before, it's this idea of the shambling horde around the leader, and they're all just getting better as the game goes on. You know, we we talked a little bit about Markov Regulus being the early game and the Conductive Fighters being your late game, and these two cards are really what make that happen. Yeah, and in fact, the enhancer can make them like an early game threat as well. Yeah. I mean, getting either of these early and especially if you can like stick them both on in the first round, round and a half, like your opponent's just going to be terrified because, you know, now these mooks, your two damage, one shield mooks are now effectively three wounds and, you know, two, three damage, four damage. Like that's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's so much so where I would put formidable defense on Dane Talos just so that he goes up to two smash on defense, even though he's losing some of that attack output. Like, it's just worth him staying alive so you can have these upgrades on. And just using him as a buff piece instead of a, a, a damaging piece, yeah. I think that's yeah, because the stagger is not really a big deal. Yeah, I think that's very reasonable. I mean, the stagger does boost your fighters and stuff, but like, depending on what other cards you bring, you might not need it. Yeah. Um, and especially once you're inspired, because if you're just doing that range to attack, you can get the support on it. So like 
going to two smash with full supports is like, it's not even a bad attack. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like mm-hmm. pretty good. It's pretty solid. Uh, then we have powered command. This one's Daintalos only reaction after an attack action that took a friendly conductive minion out of action, place that fighter in a hex adjacent to the attacker and give that fighter a race counter, then break this card. What do you think about that? So it's essentially like reaction. You killed my fighter. I automatically bring them back and teleport them to me. Uh, um, not teleport them to Daintalus, teleport them to the person who attacked them. Oh, okay. Okay. Even better. So Even they just, better. just essentially just get back up. Yeah. You just, it's a reaction resurrect and that's, I like it. Yeah. I think this might be my favorite upgrade they have. Like it's not the most powerful, but like, Mm-hmm. It stops reaction windows. It puts a guy back on the field. It sets up for dance. Like, yeah, that's a good card. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, next one is Prison of Grief. This is restricted to Wizard, so just the two of them again. Yeah. Um, spell is a reaction. It casts on a focus, single focus. Uses after an enemy fighter's activation if that fighter is within three hexes. If cast, stagger that fighter. So this is really interesting too because first of all, I'm stench of dynamism is top of mind, right? Mm-hmm. Scoring, casting three spells in one round to score two glory. But on top of that, you put this on Dantelos with dynamic enhancer and dynamic stabilizer. Not only is he buffing and um, defensive and offensive output from his arc walkers. But because enemy fighters are either going to be swarmed by the arc walker and he'll be in tow or they'll charge the arc walkers or him, then what he can do is as a reaction, you know, 50, 50 on two dice. So I think that comes out to like a 60 something, 70% chance of scoring chance of getting off. Yeah, there you go. 75% chance of auto staggering that fighter, giving your fighters, your arc walkers even more damage. I think it's the dream to get all three on and just shenanigan it up with Dantelos. And then just, just, completely cover him in defensive upgrades beyond those and yeah you don't even care about him doing damage like yeah i think that's i think it's an amazing option for sure yeah it just it's it might be the most obvious but it's just screaming to me i'm like let's do it (laughs) yeah i mean you would never put this on markov even though you could but yeah it is you could you could it's fine but you want it on dentalus for sure yeah markov markov is like barclav right in a way we're like the, the Briar Queen wants all the upgrades. Farclav is cool, and he does some cool stuff, but you're not giving him very many upgrades. Yeah, he, he's your backup, just in case. Just in case. Uh, next, we've got Spark of Life. This is an illusion. I'm not going to read the illusion text. We all know what that is. Um, it's restricted to minion, uh, and that minion gets plus one move and plus one defense. Um, this is interesting. Generally, I don't think this is worth it, just given how much movement this warband can generate innately. That being said, like maybe you stick this on a Regulus and you increase his threat range from four to five. That's kind of exciting. Um, and then also keeps him alive, alive longer for, uh, let's see, is it the whole action phase? Yeah, so there you go. I mean, it could be good early on for Regulus. Yeah, I think it's a... I think this may as well say restricted Regulus and you just use it as an aggro upgrade, but like there's better cards for him, I think. Yeah. Uh, Unfaltering guard. When an adjacent enemy fighter makes an attack action, 
They cannot target a fighter other than this fighter. When this fighter is taken out of action, break this card. This is restricted Regulus. So opponents can only attack Regulus if they're adjacent to him. So this is actually pretty crazy. Um, I'm trying to think of ways in which you could abuse this. And the one that comes out to my mind first is Parkham next to um, your leader. Mm -hmm. And so now they have to go through Regulus. Um, which makes means like the swarm and the leader can be more offensive or counter punchy and regulus can always come back because you keep Markov in the back of the board. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, um, I actually, you know what? I just had an idea and I lost my train of thought. Um, Well, it's very nice um, in general because yeah, you're right. Protecting the leader is great. Uh, It really makes your opponent think about positioning but also, like, counter charge still exists. So this, That's the card. That's it. So yeah. if you're just rocking this upgrade and your opponent's like, I'm not going to end up by Regulus, it's no big deal. And then you just, like, psych counter charge and you just completely mm-hmm. ruin their plan. Yeah. that's that, I blanked out, but that's exactly where I was going with it. I'm yeah, it, it doesn't work with the, the Regulus-specific one. Um, the Sudden Lurch, I believe is. Lurch. Yeah. yeah. Because that one is after the dice are rolled, but uh, counter charges before the dice are rolled. And I think that's good. There's also the um, Brave Companion, which is uh, placed during attack action uh, after the declare attack action step. So you couldn't interrupt with um, Brave Companion, but even then it's like you put him in a place to, you know, maybe stop follow-up attacks with it. You know, and if you use this on... Um, uh, if you use either of those uh, push cards, so if you use Counter Charge, Brave Companion, or uh, Sudden Lurch, and your opponent is a wolf, if your opponent is um, Rippa's, yeah, they can get the main attack off on your leader, but they can't get the wolf bite off, and that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of things to think about. Uh, I, like, at first when I looked at this, I was like, eh, they're just going to move around him, they're just going to ignore him, but like, there's enough repositioning tools where I think this is a viable option. Yeah. I, I almost think we just like built a deck on the podcast <laughs> where it's like, just give Dentalos a bunch of like um, AOE buffs and then keep Regulus next to him and just move up the board. Um, whereas Markov is safe in the back and you can't never hit Dantelos. He's buffing all the arc walkers. You kill the arc walkers that come back. It's uh it's pretty nice. I think it could work. I think it's a start of something. Yes, definitely a start. Well, we don't know if it'll end there, but uh, very cool. Uh, and then we have one last upgrade, which is Unfeeling Fortitude. This is Restricted Dominion, and it is plus one wounds. Yeah, so again, I think like you've said many times on the show now, um, it just might as well just say Restricted Regulus. Um, but in, in this case, it could work for Coil too, because he's probably the most... Um, real like. I guess important because of damage. And I think I would take this over convert seal for Markov. Uh, well, yeah, if you don't, if you're not worried about Markov, the interesting yeah. thing is that, you know, it, it is funny to say, yeah, just restricted Regulus, but like, you know, when you combo this with dynamic stabilizer, not only is it a turning your, cause dynamic stabilizer doesn't work on Regulus. It only works on conductive. So, right. You know, this turns your coil from two wound to effectively four wound if both of those are out there. Uh, well, that's true. And that's a big, I and mean, you know, even potentially more than four wounds. If your opponent only is damage two, they need to get 
four da- four attacks through. Um, and that's pretty nutty. That's pretty strong. Um, so I would definitely consider, um, I would definitely consider like if you're going that kind of horde swarmy style, like, yeah, plus one wound that has a restricted to not be your leader doesn't seem enticing, but it might be better than it seems at first. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this is this in conjunction with some of the other tools we've discussed is very powerful. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm excited to see how overall the deck functions in rivals in rivals plus and you know, as we are competitively minded podcast and championship as well. So, yeah, uh, I think overall the power deck for these guys is really good. It's very consistent. Um, you know, it is going to take some combination and some pre-planning and, you know, clever tactical play to make these guys work, but the cards are there. And I think that's the important part. Yeah. Yeah. This is by no means an easy warband. I think the skill level is going to be very high with them, but I think if you're able to, um, be willing to like lose a couple games in order to learn the valuable experience you need to play them correctly. I think they're going to reward you in the long run. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Which one is your favorite upgrade? Um, I really like powered command. I know it's not the, I know it's not like the straight up most powerful, but just that like, I love resurrection effects and a free resurrection on an upgrade. I guess it's not free, but cause you have to break the upgrade, but like, that instant res into comboing into other stuff is just, it's just amazing. I love it. Yeah. For me, it's dynamic stabilizer. Not only is it making your fighters stick around the board, which means you can do more cool stuff with them, Mm. but it also slows down the opponent's glory train because it requires additional investment from their end to effectively kill your fighter. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. It's a great option. That slows, slows down primacy, slows down so much stuff. It's awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's it for Exiled Dead. Yeah. Overall thoughts on the warband? Um, overall, my thoughts are that like, like I think it's positive. Like, it, you know, I said in our last podcast, um, I really like swarmy death warbands. I'm excited that these guys are a good instance of that. And they're, you know, they're unique compared to the ones that have come before. Uh, and I think that's solid. They do things that nobody else has done. Uh, they don't get to do things that other factions have done before. Uh, and they're going to take a lot of learning um, and a lot of, you know, there's going to be a lot of analysis paralysis the first few times you play these this warband just because there's so much to do. Um, but yeah, I think they, I think they seem great. Um, the downside, the cons for this is like you bleed glory like every other swarm warband you are really looking at universals for your end phase cards. Um, and uh, as always, if, if Dantelos dies, your game's kind of over. Um, but like, even with those downsides, which are pretty substantial, like I think it's still a good enough warband to like compete and be good. So, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I think for me, like the warband is just so unique and interesting and that it just makes me want to play them. Like the, the wheels are turning in my head. I'm trying to think like, you know, because like, as we've mentioned, the fighter cards aren't nothing crazy, right? They're nothing to write home about. But in conjunction with the special abilities and the reactions and the gambits and the upgrades, we start seeing something that's pretty cool and uh, pretty cohesive 
if you're able to plug and play at the right moment and the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, the biggest downside to me isn't necessarily the end phase glory, which is something you've mentioned a couple of times. I mean, it's, it's definitely something that's going to be an issue, especially because it feels like more bands like these will rely on the universal card pool that's available at the time. I'm more so concerned about Dane Talos' survivability because a four wound one block fighter isn't something um, that is not hard to kill. Like it's quite, it's quite doable, especially in today's metagame. Right. And with more tools with the nether maze. And in fact, the warband that's designed to kill the enemy leader coming out in a couple of days or at the same time, actually, mm-hmm. it does have me thinking like, can I keep Dan Tullos alive long enough to do the cool things I want to do? And that's why I keep thinking about like formidable defense and other cards. So I think that's the biggest asterisk for me yeah it's almost to the point where i would consider bringing healing ploys like spirit comb or like healing potion just for the purpose of like i need to keep dentalos alive you know i need that to Mm -hmm. you know heal too i need that uh you know chance for heal too or i need create fortitude or something and it's like you know it it feels weird because you usually put great fortitude on a fighter that's going to run around and murder everything to keep them alive to do the thing. And Dentalos is not necessarily doing that himself, but like, he's so, so, so important. And yeah, I mean, you're going to devote a lot of resources to making sure he doesn't get crushed. And your opponent is going to devote a lot of resources to trying to kill him in round one. So it's Mm going to be a very interesting balance. And I think board selection and board setup is going to make a huge difference there because if you can wall off your opponent with just like putting minions in the way, you will have a much easier time of staying alive. Like even if they're charging in and busting down an arc walker per turn or per activation, they're not getting to Dentalos. And that's the important part. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, yeah, I mean, so I think it just becomes a game of, it's like Vortimus almost like eyes of the nine. Can I keep him alive long enough to do what I need to do to win the game? Yeah. Uh, the Vortimus, didn't Vortimus just start on one dodge? That's even worse. Yeah, yeah. But an inspired Vortimus in a cover hex is pretty hard to take down. True, yeah. He's still got some life in him. And to be fair, like Dan Tolos, you know, he inspires to three smash, two damage. Like, he's no slouch. He can do some cool stuff, so. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some flexibility there in his play. And, you know, there's there's always that uh, that chance to bait, right? Like, if your opponent comes in and goes for the damage on Dentalos and they miss, and now they're completely surrounded by zombies, like, you know, it, it is a, it's a consideration they have to make. Like you come at the King, you don't, you best not miss. Right. Cause if you do, that's right. He's, he's just going to murder you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's just going to murder you. That's funny. Um, okay, cool. So I think overall, it's a pretty good overall um, explanation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, first glance at the warband i think overall more positive than negative on the warband we're pretty excited at the opportunities and the potential play styles um i think we've talked about weaknesses and strengths um so anything else you want to add before um we close out the episode no uh i think this is great uh, i'm happy to have talked about them and uh i'm looking forward to putting them on the table yeah me too and i will say the miniatures are really easy to put together they're a lot of fun. Um, 
and uh, they're a lot better in person. <laughs> you know, I think they've got a lot of flack online for maybe not looking as cool, but uh, they look very cool and animated. And I think when you paint them and you put them together, you're going to really get that zombie horde vibe. That is, I think, what the Warband is oozing in terms of flavor. Nah, that's awesome here. I can't wait to to do some hobby on these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, everyone, that's it for the episode. If you are a Patreon supporter, be sure to check out the exclusive End Phase episode on Patreon, where we're going to be talking about a deck that either one of us will make and share. Um, so once again, thank you to our Patreon supporters. If you would like to join our current patrons, you can do so at patreon.com slash glory. You can find all of our blog content on pathoflorypodcast.com. If you have any feedback, questions, or comments, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or Discord at Path of Glory Podcast. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on whatever audio listening tool that you use. And as always, thanks for listening. And we wish you the best of luck on your Path of Glory. Mm-hmm.